Well, um, we're going to just get through as much as we can, my wife just told me, which is probably the best thing to do. Um, I won't lie, we have like a major message this morning. Like, I think it's at least 11 pages. Might so be doing obvi- part one and part we're two. We're obviously not going to get through it all, which is fine. It's beautiful that the Lord moves. And wasn't it amazing? I love, um, I love the way Justin led us in this morning. Uh, did that impact anybody else, or was that just me? Um, the beauty of that is that what, he was leading, but he wasn't leading. Because you shouldn't have to be led into worship. One time we were having a staff meeting, and I was, I was telling our staff, I was like, one week, one week, I want us to come in here, and there's no worship team. What would we do? Have you guys thought about that? We would worship. Not because we have to have a worship leader, but because you become the worship leader. You are a worship leader. You're a worshiper. And I just loved that moment. I thought that was amazing. All right. Well, this morning we, we have a message that we want to just at least break open the box of. And um, the message is called Satisfied by Him. And really, this, this is more than just a good message that we typed out and we wrote. This has really become a life message for Emily and I. Um, and, and it's been forged by fire. I, I think one of the beautiful elements of our walk with the Lord is that we go through things. Amen. We go through things. We just pray to breakthrough, right? So we go through things. And it's in those moments, it's in the, it's in the going through things where there's an opportunity to see the Lord in a way that you haven't seen him. And to encounter him in a way that maybe you hadn't known him before. And so we, we really, we wanted to tell just a little bit of our story. A lot of you know, know bits and pieces. Some of you know the whole thing. Um, but this message was birthed in a season of great loss for us. Yeah, it was birthed in 2021, which <laughs> was a hard year for us, just being vulnerable. Um, we, we walked through tremendous loss. We lost three babies in 2021 alone. Um, three beautiful babies that are now in heaven, worshiping the Lord, <laughs> singing with the angels, probably louder than we sing right now. And um, it, it was a hard year. And I know a lot. I know a lot of stories in this room. I know there's a lot of of you that we've walked through difficult things. I know 2021 wasn't an easy year for others. And it was in this time where Emily and I really had to lean in to him in a way that we haven't, I I don't feel like I've leaned into him before. 
We really wrestled with the Lord, and what's beautiful about wrestling with the Lord is that it marks you. Um, it builds history with you in the Lord, and it stakes. It's a stake in your heart where you can go back to it, go, okay, he did this. We wrestled. Okay, we came through together. Um, and so we're going to talk about Job this morning. Everyone's favorite book of the Bible. You know what's amazing about Job? You can't be religious after reading Job. <laughs> and you know what's beautiful about the body? Is that we can just throw religion out and we can approach him as we are. We don't have to be put together this morning. We don't have to put on our church makeup and then leave Sunday and our lives look totally different than they do on Sundays. We got to be authentic. Right? There's a, there's a world that's out there going, hey, things don't look the same. Why don't things look the same? Well, because we need to be authentic in our walk with the Lord. I don't have it all together. The most unput together people in the Bible were some of the ones that got commended the most. Justin talked about it about Mary, but there's a woman in Luke 7 that approaches and just breaks open the bottle of perfume, and like, it was offensive. It was the most unput-together thing that was the most honoring. It was an aspect of worship, and I just think that that's beautiful, is, like, we don't have to be put together. We just get to come, and we just get to be in him. Yeah, so Job, Job 1. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was blameless, upright, fearing God, and turning away from evil. Seven sons and three daughters were born to him. His possessions were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and very many servants. And that man was the greatest of all the men of the East. That's a really glowing recommendation right there. And so, if you know the story of Job, you, you know the next part, which is the enemy actually asks God if he can test Job. Isn't that wild? Like, this whole thing is wild, right? And so it says that the enemy's plan was the enemy comes to God, and God actually gives Job a glowing recommendation. The enemy's like, Look, is there anybody that, that's out there? And God's like, have you considered my servant Job? Have you considered him? God's literally putting Job in a position to say, hey, this man right here stands for me. That's amazing that God would actually use Job as an example. Um, I think is amazing. And so then we have God allowing Satan to test him, but not to touch his life. And so the enemy's plan was to get rid of everything Job possessed because here's what the enemy thought would happen, right? Is the enemy thought, if I take away all of the external, I will impact Job's internal, and he's no longer going to follow the Lord. Now, I don't know why God allowed Satan to test Job in this way. I've heard so many people read this and then say, how can a loving God make you go through so much hardship and loss and pain? 
But if we're honest, we're really not going to know the answer until Jesus comes back or until we meet Jesus. We probably all have some understanding that God does allow testing. He does allow suffering. And why he allowed Job to go through all that he did, we don't know. But the point of the book of Job is actually that Job remained tethered to God, that God truly was the only thing that satisfied Job. And so one thing that's helpful helpful for us all to remember is that we do live in a fallen world, and we live in the current state where the world has not been completely redeemed, but we know that one day Jesus is going to come back and he is going to redeem, bring the ultimate redemption, um, and he's going to bring the final punishment for Satan. Paul in 2 Corinthians 11, 20, er, 11, 23 through 29 boasts about his trials. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and even exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods, once I was pelted with stones, Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger in the sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been made cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I do not feel weak? Who is led in sin and I do not inwardly burn? If I must boast, I will boast of all the things that show my weakness. There is trial and suffering in this world, and until Jesus returns... We have to live in the reality of a fallen world. But the reality is that a loving God sustains you in the midst of the fallen and the broken things that happen. He isn't, allow, he isn't authoring it, but he does allow it. So Job ends up losing everything. But in the end, Job receives a double portion. In Job 42.10 The Lord also restores the fortunes of Job when he prayed for his friends. And the Lord increased double all that Job had. So God didn't just return it to him. He gave him a double portion. But the focus of Job was not that it was going to be increased or that he, it was that he remained faithful to the Lord, even if he didn't have any earthly possessions or legacy. Job 1, 20 through 21 says, Then Job got up, tore his robe, and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground and worshipped. He said, he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He worshipped. He said, Blessed be the name of the Lord. And Job did question God. Job 10.1 says, I will give full vent to my complaint. He questioned, but he didn't run. So a little, Andrew gave some backstory. Um, I want to give a little bit more detail of just us wrestling with the Lord um, in 2021. Um, We had um, 
It took us 13 months to get pregnant. And if anybody, I know a lot of you here have walked that journey, and that journey is really difficult. And the Lord at the very beginning of it told me, you will have a son, and he will be named Judah Samuel. So I thought that that meant that was going to happen quickly. And um, it did not. And so Judah was actually a twin, and we lost his twin very early on and um, ended up losing Judah um, at six, at, um, in my second trimester and um, lost him at home, gave birth to him unexpectedly. And so ended up bleeding a lot and um, being transferred to the hospital. And um, I just remember as I laid there holding um, our son on my chest, um, I j- all we could do is play worship music in the hospital room. And um, pain and suffering, it can either bring you to the Lord or it can make you run. And, um, and so in my darkest hour, I kept asking the Lord, like, how could this happen? Um, you know, you said, you promised us this, and you promised us this son, so how are you faithful? And um, the Lord whispered to me, it's not the end of the story. And Andrew and I went on a journey of really learning which that the end of the story really is heaven. <laughs> and so, um, but in that, I really had to figure out, like, the Lord how is he faithful? And so I went, sometimes I think that if we can't say like one characteristic of the Lord because we're in pain, it's actually really good for us to remember a different characteristic of the Lord. So throughout that day, as I went back and and relived that day over and over again, I could remember the kindness of the Lord. And so I remember the kindness of the Lord was that Andrew was supposed to go run an errand and I told him to wait. And so he was there. Um, I remember, you know, my mom was there, and so, um, Addie was able to not see any of it, um, and then, you know, my favorite nurses were working, and, you know, it was just, like, time, like, throughout the entire day, like, there was the kindness of the Lord, and so, I also remember being, Like, Jesus was my friend, and I needed Holy Spirit to comfort me, but I was mad at God. And um, I remember telling a friend, like, I miss God. Like, I miss communing with God, but I'm angry at him. Like, I need him, but I'm angry at him. And so I would play um, your good, good father, that song, over and over and over again until I could say it. And I was driving. Addie and I were driving home. One day, it was about like three weeks after, and um, God so clearly said to me, Emily, I'm so sorry. Um, I love you, and um, I do know the pain of losing your only son. And I thought, all right, now we can get started. (laughs) He does, and I think that that's what's so beautiful about the Lord is that he does meet you um, and he does sustain you um, and he does satisfy you. We wrestled with scripture. We wrestled with Psalm 127.3, the fruit of the womb is a reward. And one day I was reading that and just wrestling with the Lord and um, 
It's like it doesn't say on earth at the end of it. Like we think that it would mean that, but it doesn't say that. And so it's just the tension of earthly promises and having um, an eternal perspective as well. Um, There's a um, quote by Teresa of Avila that I really love, and it says, look at Christ as he looks at you when you're going through pain. Look at Christ as he looks at you. Yeah, and so it's the, it's the beauty of God wants you to wrestle with him. He doesn't want you to run away from him. He wants you to take it to him. And that's the thing that I think can either pull you further away or it can tether you closer Because you actually, you cannot get through it without him. I cannot get through it without him. And I think it's important, just, we got to sock religion in the head. Because religion says you can't wrestle that deeply with God. You can wrestle with God. You can ask him questions. Did you know that he can handle it? He can handle the pain. He can handle the trial. He can handle the suffering. Not only does he know it, having walked it, but he can handle yours. He can take it. And I think one of the great tensions in scripture that we're always going to walk is this realm of we know in part, but there's more. And so we have to lean into the mystery. And I know we like mystery books and, you know, (laughs) we like, in some ways we like not knowing the answer. But when it comes to these things, we don't not like knowing the answer. Right? We like formulas. We like people to tell us, here's the ten. We love some of the best-selling books, right? The ten keys to being the best leader. Right? Right? The 10 ways to transform your life. The 10 habits that if you do these 10 things, your life will change. We buy those. Why do we buy them? Because there's an innate desire within us, which is good, which is to succeed. But sometimes we have to lean into the mystery, and the mystery is that when you read this book, there's not, when you read the Bible, when you get lost in him, you realize that there's a mystery. It's Proverbs 25 too. It's, 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 it's the glory of kings. It's the glory of God to conceal a matter. It's the glory of kings to search it out. Some things are concealed while we're here. We're here on earth. We have limited understanding. We're growing in our understanding of him. So one of the beautiful walks with the Lord is the tension of mystery that I actually get the opportunity to search it out. I get the opportunity, the privilege to walk with God and search it out in the midst of a world that's crying out that doesn't have answers. I have answers. I don't have all of the answers, but I know the one that has them all. I know the one that sustains regardless of my questioning. And so I think the leaning into mystery is really, really important. 
Like, we love to have things figured out. And sometimes our question and fears can become bigger than our conviction of who he is. It is this sense of mystery that either tethers us deeper into him or it attempts to pull us away. But listen, my convictions, what I have seen, who I know him to be, the signs and wonders of this life, the fact that this world is so intricately fashioned, the fact that there's a God that loves me despite my brokenness and issues, convinces me that no matter what, he is still real and it is not the end of the story. It's not the end of the story. God doesn't operate based on formulas. He operates based on faith through obedience. James 1.3 says, for you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. It's this reality that by faith, it's looking at him. Faith isn't your faith. It's his faith. And that's the beauty. Like when you see, when Jesus says, oh, ye of little faith, what he's not saying is, hey, disciples, go out over there and figure out how to get some more faith and then come back and we'll do this moment over again. Faith is that realm of, it's Hebrews 11.1 in the New King James that says faith is a substance. So faith is Jesus So I don't need to go out and try to figure out how to get more faith in order for my circumstances to change. I look at Jesus and understand that he is my faith. He has to be your faith. The main point must be that he satisfies. Job 42, 2 through 5 says, I know that you can do all things and that no plan is impossible for you. Who is this who conceals advice without knowledge? Therefore, I have declared that which I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I do not know. Please listen, I will speak. I will ask you and you instruct me. I have heard you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Job tells God, I have declared that which I do not understand, the reality of that struggle. He didn't understand, but he knew God. Job's walk is one of the most difficult things in the Bible to reconcile. But but the point all throughout that answer is that Satan's accusation against Job is that Job didn't deny God. Satan thought he would after everything. He thought he would curse God. But what actually happened? Job 42.5 says, I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, and now my eyes see you. He saw the Lord in a way that previously he had never seen him. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. That's powerful. If you read all 42 chapters of Job and get to that point, that statement is powerful. Job had heard of the Lord. He had a reality of the Lord. But walking through the most difficult thing that he had to walk through, he got to the end. And, and I think it's important to note here that this is, this is Job 42.5. We haven't seen restoration yet. We haven't seen the double portion yet. 
And yet Job is able to tether himself to the fact that he really is the only thing that satisfies. And it's like, I've heard of you, but now in the midst of everything that's going on, I have an even greater reality and my eyes actually see you. Yeah. In the midst of everything that he had gone through, he still hasn't seen the breakthrough. And yet he's able to say, my eyes see you. How powerful is that? Does that just hit me? And that's what we're talking about. Like when Emily and I say, when we say it's not the end of the story, that's what we're talking about. Is that as long as he is the only thing that satisfies your every desire, if he is your everything, then the story isn't over. And so it's not just about hearing. It's not just about knowledge. Knowledge is great. What we need to be tethered to, though, is my, I've heard of you, but now my eyes see you. Yeah. It's to see him in it. Man, it isn't just what Job knew. It's the fact that Job experienced the sovereignty and the majesty of God. His posture was nothing else truly satisfies like you, God. This is the beauty of, of walking with the Lord. It's the beauty of the gospel is that Jesus becomes your life. He's not just an aspect of your life. It's not just Jesus and a bunch of other things. It's Jesus. And if it's just Jesus, then when you're going through whatever you're going through, it's just that he's the only one. It's just Jesus. And so we had to confront, like our story, we had to confront, we had to ask questions, we had to wrestle with him. And we had to stay in the midst, stay in there with him. Jesus wants us to approach him honestly, not religiously. I remember, I don't have enough time to tell this story, but I'm going to do it anyway. I remember back in ministry school, there was a big movement where it was like, if you didn't see something happen, and if you, like, if, if you didn't have enough faith, you just pretended like you did. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You showed up and you were like, I just, I'm just going to pretend like I've got it all together. And I've lived that life as a pastor's kid. And I can tell you it doesn't satisfy. Walking into a room, it's the beauty of community. We discussed that last week. Go back, listen to the podcast. The beauty of authentic community in a local church environment is that I get to walk in exactly as I am. And I get to come in, and I'm like, I don't have it all together. And, and God wants us to approach him honestly, not religiously. So don't wrestle apart from him. Wrestle with him in it. Grab on to him and go, Lord, why did this happen? And you may not get an answer to your why, let's be honest. But ask him anyway. Get in there and go after this with him. One of one of the things I say often in this, in this church is this, and that is that I would way rather us 
like you take what we say and find it in here and wrestle with it in here than just being fed by a whole bunch of things except this. Because we can do as much growth and as much teaching and as much discipleship as we can, but it's not going to even be peanuts compared to what you're going to get yourself in here. So what am I saying? I'm saying our story, we, I read the book of Job, and it was hard, and it was like, I don't, this is difficult, but I wrestled with the Lord in the midst of my questions while reading that book, and I just want to encourage you to do that. Spend that time. Where are there places in our hearts where we still need to confront religion and give God access to places we haven't even wanted to give? Is Jesus enough without having more things or more satisfaction here on earth? Is he actually enough? If I didn't see anything else externally, is he enough? Has he already done enough? think so often we we preach and we hear um, and there's frustration because the kingdom of earthly promises and there's yes and amen and we should because we're Christians there you know there should be it should be good and life should be easy but life is not easy like that's actually we live in a fallen world like actually what the Lord promised us is like that he will be here <laughs> but there is pain and suffering <laughs> And so um, I think it's, it's Christ, the, the answer is that Christ propels you. He propels you through, and he's the reward, even when there are no earthly rewards, because heaven is actually our reward. We can't get caught up in, oh, I didn't have this, or why did this not happen, or why did this happen, when truly our focus has to be more on eternity. So how did Job remain faithful while losing everything? Because his relationship with God was not contingent on what he had on earth. His relationship was not contingent on seeing the outward reward. He was more concerned with staying in the room with God no matter what. He was standing not on earthly realities but on his heavenly father. And he knew if he gave up then the suffering was unto nothing. But if he stands, no matter what, then he would gain him. His cry in the midst of all of it was that God was the only one that satisfies. Yeah, if we could get some keys, that would be awesome. Um, I'm going to read an entry from my journal to you guys. I just, I feel like this is important. Why have we had to go through this? Why did we lose Judah Samuel? The why questions are many, but I know there is no good answer. I don't believe that God caused this as we live in a fallen world, so there's pain, suffering, and difficulty. The Bible never says you, have to, you never have to deal with it. It says to deal with it with Jesus and to remember his suffering when you do. He has gone through pain. Now, I don't understand why he couldn't just heal Emily and why we had to go through this when I know that the Jesus and Father that I serve can and does heal all our diseases. The best answer I have is that sometimes we will never know why and that when healing doesn't happen, it is an invitation to either run into deconstructing my faith 
because of what I haven't experienced or to stand on the hope, life, and promises of God which are beyond my understanding and are eternal. The Bible never says that everything works out the way we want it to, and it never promises that there will not be loss. What it does promise is that God is with me and that he is the only way through and the only one that can sustain me through difficulty and loss. He has to be the only one that satisfies. I think it's important just to understand that I'm writing this having an understanding of history with the Lord. I have seen the Lord heal brain aneurysm. I've seen him heal knees. I've seen backs healed. I've seen so much. And yet in this moment, I didn't see what I desired to see happen. And so there's that wrestle with the Lord. And it's that place that I had to come to where I was like, regardless of what I see and maybe what I don't know, I stay tethered to the fact that he is the only way through. He's the only one that satisfies. And regardless, he's still faithful. He's still faithful. I love what F.F. Bruce says. He says, the soul's deepest thirst is for God himself, who has made us so that we can never be satisfied without him. Do you know that God made you so that you could never be satisfied without him? The deepest longings of your heart, the questions, the whys, they cannot be satisfied without him. He really is the only thing that satisfies. And so... This morning, the point really, even throughout the book of Job, the point is that, the point is that regardless of what happens, he satisfies. And I just feel that there's this place like for the Lord to satisfy us even beyond it's it's not that he satisfies us just because we see what we want to happen it's that he satisfies us regardless he satisfies me through it he is the one that satisfies even if i see no no if i don't see what i want or get what i want or, or what i want happens he still satisfies my every need and my every heart's desire. He satisfies. Yeah, and our pain isn't easy. But in his presence, it's the only way we can make it through. Because he can satisfy us. And so we need, we need his presence. We need his presence to to hold our hand and make baby steps through the valley. Yeah. Yeah, so Lord, we, we ask you this morning.
we ask you this morning that you would, that we would be able to see as Job saw, that it would be, I've, I've heard, maybe I know, but now my eyes see that we would see you in a way that we haven't seen you before in the midst of the battle, in the midst of the battle, in the midst of the questions, in the midst of the wrestling that we do it with you and we just make a declaration that we will not walk away, we will stay in the room with you, we will, we will make a declaration that you really are the only one that satisfies. You satisfy my every need. the day and you showed me exactly where you were in the bathroom in the hospital in the car all the places but Jesus that you would show us exactly where you are in the midst of our pain in the midst of what we need breakthrough in that we would see you give you the places we give you places that we haven't fully given over to you maybe it's hurt maybe it's pain maybe it's disappointment maybe it's church disappointment we give those places to you this morning Lord and we thank you that you satisfy you're the only one that can get us through. You're the only one that sustains us. Lord, I ask you where there's situations, Lord, right now that you would show us that you are sustaining us. You are sustaining us. Fix your eyes on the author and the perfecter of faith. That you would sustain us through the through the questions, Lord. And we thank you, Jesus, that it's not the end of the story. In fact, we know how the story ends, and it ends with you coming. It ends with a victorious King Jesus coming and returning and bringing final redemption. to you. Would you tether our hearts to you? Tether our hearts to you, Jesus. Tether our hearts to you, Jesus, because this is what sustains us. Matthew 24, when it talks about the last days, it, it talks about the end of days. It says, those who endure to the end. The perseverance, what sustains us is being so tethered to your heart that it doesn't become about what we see happen. It becomes about you. It becomes about Him. It's only about Him. Oh, Lord, we're not after signs. We're after the, the one in whom can make the signs happen. We're after you. Would you tether our hearts to you in a deep way? 
You're the only one that satisfies. You're the only one that satisfies. Give him any places in your heart that need to be given over. teams come up if you need prayer. I want to invite you to just come up to the front. You can stay in a place of ministry. Make sure you get your kids. But just to feel free to stay in this place and just receive, just 
receiving, just looking at him.